welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Have you noticed at the grocery store that the protein bar section has just become a whole aisle? Protein bars are a huge industry and they're a staple in your diet. If you are trying to hit your protein goal, you're following a specific diet plan, so many of us use protein bars to supplement as snacks, as desserts, or just to get that extra protein bump. What you won't find in the grocery store are Built Bars. Built Bars are available online at builtbar.com. There are 18 different flavors, and these are unlike any protein bar that you have had before, I promise you. The texture is what sets them apart. They're a chewy nougat covered in 100% real chocolate. They have 18 flavors, and they have built bars that have nuts and built bars that do not have nuts. So the calories vary depending on the flavor you choose, but they all have between 17 and 19 grams of protein, and all of them are under 180 calories. My favorite flavor for sure is raspberry, which is a raspberry nougat covered in amazing dark chocolate. Warm it up in the microwave for about 15 seconds, and I eat it as dessert. It's delicious. Randy's favorite is cookies and cream. It's amazing, a a delicious chocolate flavor, also really good warmed up. The cookies and cream, 130 calories with 17 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar. So these are really great if you're low carb, if you're watching your sugar intake, but you need that protein bump. I highly recommend that you give them a try. You can use my code DESTINATIONBEGIN for 10% off. They have free shipping on all of their orders, and they also offer shipping protection for under a dollar that will make sure that your protein bars do not melt in transit. Highly recommend that. So give them a try today. They have a 100% money-back guarantee, but I promise you're going to love them. Hi, hi. Welcome to the episode. This is the episode that I'm going to talk to you about Brazil. Because I went to Brazil. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. But um, I just got back from a trip to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. And it's still weird for me to be saying, yeah, on Thursday when I was in Brazil. Um, but it's, it's one of those experiences that I feel like I have to talk about right away before I forget some of the... Um, impact and some of the bigness of some of the experience. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my trip and how it kind of related to not only my personal life, my feelings, my emotions, where I am at in my life right now, but also a little bit about how it affected my body and my relationship with my body and my eating, my food, my workouts, my rest, because this was um, actually a big um, experience in those departments for me. And I, I learned a lot and I feel like it's a, a good thing for me to be sharing here on the podcast. So, um, so first of all, Brazil Rio was never a place on my bucket list. Not like it's a bad thing or a bad place, but I've been almost to nowhere in my life. Um, in growing up, we just didn't travel. If we traveled, we went to Iowa to see the relatives down in Iowa, which was awesome. I didn't know anything else. And so the big trips in our family were to go down to Iowa, to the farm, to see my aunts and uncles, to see my grandma and grandpa. And that was a car ride. Like we never went on airplanes. Um, 
And so that was the extent of travel growing up. And then when I was, um, I think I was 16, my parents decided to take me on a little vacation trip up north to Brainerd, Minnesota, which was you know a couple of hours north of where we lived. And there was a, a gospel music concert there and we decided to get a hotel and stay in a hotel. And this was like the biggest trip of my life up to that point to stay in a hotel. In fact, I remember finding old photos at my parents' house where I had taken pictures of opening the hotel room door and had taken all kinds of pictures in the hotel room. And it was like a, like a, I don't know, a super eight or, I mean, it wasn't a crap hotel, but it was not like fancy hotel. And, um, but that's just how, I mean, how novel it was in anyway. And I, I think that's precious. So, but that was my life, you know, we just didn't, didn't travel. And then, um, my, after my freshman year in college, um, I got to go to Israel as um, part of a study trip with my college. I went to a Bible college and they had a three week trip to Israel that included, um, college credit. So it was a study trip. We went to, um, archeological digs. We, um, since of course it was a Bible college, we went to all of the places that are mentioned in the Bible. So, you know, we saw where John the Baptist was baptized and we saw the Jordan river and we saw where we saw the exact spot, like the big dent in the earth where David killed Goliath and where he fell, you know, years ago, you know, so it was very, um, historically accurate and stuff. And <laughs> so I did that, but I was, uh, 18 turning 19. I turned 19 while we were there. We went to Israel and then we went to Jordan. So I remember my 19th birthday was in the country of Jordan. We had dinner in Amman, Jordan, and we went to Pizza Hut. <laughs> uh, I was such a different person when I was 19. I'm thinking most people were, but I don't know. Um, I especially was, and I didn't like any of the food, and I had a conniption about that, and so I wanted pizza. So I didn't. In Israel, you know, it's kosher, and so if you ordered pepperoni pizza, you basically, um, you couldn't uh, do that in Jerusalem. You had to do it in um, other parts of the city that were not kosher. And then their pepperoni was like bologna. It was disgusting. And so I just remember, I turned 19, I was excited to go to Pizza Hut in Amman, Jordan, and get stuffed crust pepperoni pizza that was real pepperonis. So, you know, these are the things in life that stand out, especially when you're a fat kid. So... That was the extent of my world travel um, until this past summer when I went to Ukraine. So I did a podcast episode about that. Um, but, you know, since then I've traveled the U.S. quite a bit. But so all of that to say, <laughs> because I've only been to Ukraine and Israel, there's a billion places, uh, probably literally a billion places, but not a billion countries. I don't know how many countries there are. How many countries are there? No one ever told me, but um, there's more, lots of them. And Brazil was never like, I don't even think about it. Um, the only thing I knew about Brazil was the Christ, the big statue of Jesus Christ on the hill. And I knew about it because way back when I watched trash TV, I used to watch the Kardashians and they went to Brazil. And I remember seeing them, that they went up to see the Christ. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I did know that you could see the Christ from space. Oh, that was cool. Anyway, 
When I moved here, my policy was to say yes to everything. And that's how I ended up going to Ukraine. And that's how so many beautiful, amazing things have happened here. And when I say yes to everything, I mean like, you know, safe things and stuff. But anyway, um, my good friend Jackie lives next door. She's been an amazing just mentor in my life. And she's from uh, originally from Brazil. She's from Sao Paulo. And we have a lot of people that come to boot camp who are from Brazil. And so we have a huge contingency of people that come to the beach and they speak um, Portuguese together. And it's really cool. And um, I've been studying Spanish, so I, I know a little Spanish. But then they will pipe in and, and give me the Portuguese version of what I'm saying. So... Jackie had said to me last summer, she said, hey, flights to Rio are really cheap. There's a direct flight from Miami into Rio. It's so inexpensive. I'm thinking about going at Thanksgiving, going to Rio for a week, and then going to Sao Paulo to see my family for a week. I'm really excited about it. And then she said, hey, do you want to go? And I said, yes. (laughs) And I looked up the flights. The flights were so inexpensive back in June. And so I'm like, all right, let's do it. So booked a flight for um, a week to go to Rio. And so it was going to be Jackie and me and then Jackie's friend, her childhood friend, which I think is so cool because Jackie is in her 50s and she has a friend that they had been friends since they were teenagers. And um, so her friend, Ileana, um, Jackie and me. And then we recruited um, Oria, who is one of our boot camp coaches and a boot camp member. She decided to come as well. And so, um, and then my friend, Courtney. So there was going to be five of us going to Rio. We booked, uh, Jackie booked this beautiful Airbnb on the beach. And it was this great opportunity to go to another country with someone from there who spoke the language, who knew all the things. I mean, this is like cake. Super inexpensive to share the accommodations. This is great. I love to travel. I don't like to bleed money. Uh, Perfect. So that was back in June. And so it was always this, you know, later in the, later in the year, I'm going to Rio. Well, all of a sudden later in the year was here and it was time to go to Rio. And so, um, we left on Thanksgiving and, uh, leading up to Thanksgiving, I was really stressed out about my weight and my body and all of these things. So to back up just a little bit, um, I did, I did a bodybuilding bikini show in September. It was my second one. And I had sworn that I wouldn't do them again, and then I did it again, and, um, and it was really a great experience. But after a show, it is so hard for me to figure out how to eat and how to deal with my body and get back to healthy habits and um, training. And it's, again, it just proved to be a struggle. Much less of a struggle than it was after my first show in May, but... I found myself just, you know, when you're hyper-restricting for so long to prep for a bikini show, um, the pendulum swings, and you come off of that, and it's really hard, at least for me, um, <clears throat> to just go to a healthy, balanced way of eating. I had cut out so many different foods in favor of the lowest calorie, most filling, most, you know, perfect on the specs food list, and then all of a sudden it's like, I don't have to eat that way, but I also don't want to just blow up and gain a whole bunch of weight. It's okay to gain some weight, but just 
leading up to going to Rio, I was like, okay, Rio's coming up. I'm going to be on the beach. It's on vacation. I want to feel good in my skin, but I also want to eat food. I want to get back to eating food to fuel me. I don't need to be stage lean. It's not healthy to be stage lean. I like being stage lean, but, um, so really, really struggling with my relationship with food. Um, you add into that, um, a brief relationship, um, that triggered all kinds of emotional responses with me and food. And, uh, I, I got to the day of departure, just feeling incredibly exhausted, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, just, just tired of the grind, tired of thinking and swirling, um, tired of trying to figure out what the best way forward has, would be for all the things. And so it was like, all right, I'm going to Rio. I'm going to use this time to stop. I read The Untethered Soul um, by Michael Singer. And it was so timely to read that book, to really, to really understand what's going on in your brain. You're going... When you're thinking in your head, you have like all these voices going on. Who is it? Well, it's you. Well, then who's observing? Well, that's you. And it's you have these voices. And sometimes we hear the voice in our head and we think it's the most brilliant thing ever. And we just do it. Other times we hear the voice and we're like, what? That's garbage. And we reject it. And what makes the difference between on the day or the moment or the feeling that we listen to that one voice, they reject that one voice. Sometimes we get it totally wrong, but then we believe it with all of our hearts. And I found myself like completely aware for the first time of how I was letting my life and my feelings be completely carried by just thought, whim, thought, whim, which was not serving me any longer. Um, the problem is that serves me very well in a lot of contexts, in a lot of situations, in a lot of the ways that I do business and handle other parts of my life. But when it comes to my relationship with myself and my body and others, it doesn't work. So I decided, you know, maybe I shouldn't go to Rio. Maybe I should just stay here. I had just started the second location for the boot camp. A couple weeks back and I really wanted to get momentum there and I didn't have anyone to coach the classes and I was faced with the decision of cancel all the classes at the brand new location which is not a good idea when you're trying to get momentum in something um, or stay home because the boot camp is my baby it is it is so precious to me and vacation is vacation and so I really wrestled with that So leading up to the trip, I was exhausted from that. And um, I actually set it down. I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay here. Who cares if I'm out money? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to work. And I'm going to just, you know, focus on my new location. And then I continued to read the book, The Untethered Soul. And I really got this vision of the fact, he says in the book, that The universe is vast and the earth is but a little speck of dust in this vast, massive universe. And I am but a speck on that speck. So what I do has such little impact in the grand scheme. Canceling boot camp for three days, is that going to change anything in the trajectory of the speck on the speck? 
in the universe. You know, my job as a human being on this earth is to experience and to grow and to be and to actualize into everything that I can be. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. And this boot camp has been run by the universe. Everything that has happened in this boot camp has come together perfectly and I have not had to strive or struggle. And when I do try, I, I ruin it. And when I step back, it all falls into place. And guess what? <laughs> it all fell into place. The amazing coaching staff that I have all picked up classes so that every single class was covered. My beautiful friend Melissa just moved here near the new location. She volunteered to handle signage and coordinating with all the coaches because none of them had ever coached there. And it ended up being that all of these new people who have found our boot camp at the new location, while I was gone, a different coach was there. So they got to meet all of our coaches, which was awesome because we have amazing coaches and they got to experience them. So that worked out better than I could have even thought it or planned it as is the way the universe does things. So, um, but my friend Courtney decided not to go. And so she decided to come to Miami and be here while I was gone for part of the trip. So now it was, um, Jackie, Oria and me, and then, um, Ileana when we got there. And, um, I decided before the trip that I was going to stay open. Open being I was going to keep my mood up and light and happy. I was going to observe thoughts and situations and not assess and not get elevated, not get mad, not get impatient, um, just to let everything flow and to observe Kristen on vacation. And that was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten, which I got from the untethered soul. And it worked beautifully. Um, so. Our flight was overnight and um, did not sleep hardly at all, which I thought that I would sleep. But you guys, I got the coolest thing. I got a neck pillow, one of those neck pillows, but it had a hoodie on it. So you could like flip it up over your head. So you could stay like warm and snuggy. And it kind of closed over your face. So it kind of kept like the light and whatever. Oh my gosh, you guys. I got it at Target. It's... I mean, it's like a neck roll pillow from Jesus. Anyway, I digress. So my food plan when I left was, um, and I live on my life with a food plan. Um, I will always have a food plan. A food plan is important so that I don't go back to being 400 pounds. Um, but my food plan for this trip was to eat anything and everything that I wanted. The end. No binging, no like just eating and shoving food in my face but that I was going to eat the food. I was gonna try the Brazilian food. I was going to eat the things that looked good and I wasn't going to lift any weights. I was not going to do anything but experience, taste, enjoy, and sleep. And just go in with the idea that there was something on this trip that the universe had for me. And so we arrived in Brazil, um, Jackie had um, hired a driver. His name is Gustavo. She met him two years ago when she was in Rio and she kept his contact info and it was amazing because he is a tour guide and a driver, just the sweetest guy ever. And um, so he picked us up from the airport, took us to our Airbnb and our entire trip, he would pick us up and take us places we needed to go so we didn't always have to Uber and he could get us to the front of the line because he's a tour guide and he kept us safe, which people like to say how dangerous Rio is, which I mean, maybe it is, but where I was, 
I did not feel unsafe at all. I felt inc- I felt safer there than I have in many places in the U.S. And um, it was amazing. But Gustavo picked us up, and this was my first indication that I may have a little issue because Jackie speaks Portuguese, and Gustavo spoke Portuguese, and Oria speaks Spanish, which is similar enough to Portuguese that she could sort of understand what they were saying. And if she spoke in Spanish, they could understand her. And so that left me just listening to lots of rapid fire talking, which, you know, in the drive, like, I guess I don't need to know what's going on. I mean, I don't know. I travel alone. I'm used to not having conversation. So, you know, not the end of the world, not the end of the world. But um, it was a little interesting to not have any idea what was going on. We got to our Airbnb. Um, We stayed at Impanita Beach. It was beautiful. Impanima Beach. It was beautiful. Um... And Jackie's friend arrived with her driver. Her driver's name was Goot, as in Gutenberg. That was his first name. It was so cool. So we started the trip. We started by going out to lunch and having the most amazing seafood. And the most amazing appetizers is like crab cakes. Oh my gosh. The food off the bat was incredible. I'm so glad I had no food rules. Because if I had had food rules, I wouldn't have been able to eat the crab cake because there was gluten in it. And I normally don't eat gluten. Um, I wouldn't have been able to have, they have these like cheesy rolls. I wouldn't have been able to try those, which I didn't need to eat 20 of them and I didn't, but it's the Brazilian food. That's what they do. So I wanted to eat the Brazilian food. I'm probably never going to go back there again. So beautiful food. Um, it was awesome. So, um, we decided that we were going to do Miami beach boot camp on the beach in, um, Copacabana beach or Impanima beach. And so the first morning there, we got up. We all put on Miami Beach um, boot camp tank tops. I brought my speaker down to the sand. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning, right outside to the sand, set up the music, and proceeded to run a workout. Big problem being it's really, really hot in Brazil, and it was 10 in the morning, and it was like, you guys, the sun on the beach in Brazil is like nothing you've ever experienced if you haven't been there because it's really hot because the sun is like right next to your face. And uh, we were dying. Jackie was like, and Jackie's in sick shape, which is amazing. I'm in real good shape. And I was like, you guys, I'm going to die. So we did like a little half workout, but just enough to be able to say, hey, Miami Beach boot camp went global. And so it was fun. And um, so that was awesome. And then Eliana had this great idea that we should take a helicopter ride to see Rio instead of just on foot. And so one of the days we went to get on a helicopter and the helicopter was half an hour and they took us over Sugarloaf Mountain. Um, there's these two, two mountains called the Brothers. Took us over those, took us over the lagoon, and then it took us to the Christ. So the Christ is a statue. It's made of concrete and I think it's called soapstone. So I did a little Wikipedia search on this because I wanted to know what I was looking at. But it's this beautiful statue that's on the top of this giant mountain. I don't know what that's called. I didn't like remember stuff. But it's the statue of the Christ. It's a 95 feet tall. And the arm span, like he's standing with his arms wide, is 92 feet wide. So almost as wide as it is tall, which makes sense because as human beings, if we stretch our arms out, fingertip to fingertip is almost 
as high, as tall as we are. I wonder if I really am. Anyway, so they put it there in 1931. It was completed because the um, the the Catholics in Brazil and Rio they really felt like this city was just going to pot. There was godlessness, and so they erected this statue. It was a French. I think it was a French architect who did it. Anyway. Um, it's beautiful. You can see it from space. So it's massive and it overlooks the city. And it's, I, I don't know that I've seen anything so powerful in public art because where it is, it's, you can literally see it from most places. It's lit up at night. So it glows and it's an image of the Christ, which, you know, I know some people aren't religious, but, um, for me, especially having been raised in um, a religious background and having a very deep connection to um, the idea of God and Jesus Christ and all of that, it was very powerful to me. Every time I would see it and I would look up, I just felt such a longing and such a connection. And it's just a pile of concrete, right? But it represents. People say, you know, things, especially in religion, things and don't make idols of things. And it's just a thing. It's just an altar. It's just a cross. No, it's a collection of molecules that are put into the shape, a shape that has a message to it. It means something. And anybody who takes the idea that, that things don't have meaning, it's not true. Photographs, this is a piece of paper. It's an image, but it means something. It evokes emotion. It connects with the soul. And the Christ connected with my soul in such a powerful way. There aren't even words. And it's just even a memory of it. I feel love in the depths of my soul. I feel loved to the depths of my soul when I think about it. So we were in the helicopter and the Christ was really high. And so we had been just kind of going over the water while we started to gain altitude. And we got up and we started to circle and I saw, I saw it. And I took, literally took my breath away of just, (gasps) and we went right in front of his face. And there's not much of an expression on the statue, but I was just sucked into the face. And I asked the girls, we were at a little microphone thing, I was like, what would he say to you? And I just kept asking myself that, what would he say to me? And I just opened my heart and I heard, you're enough. I thought, oh, I don't wanna be enough. You know. I understand the message when people say you are enough. In fact, I have it on a sticky note right here because this used to resonate with me. You are enough because sometimes I feel less than. I'm not good enough. And this, you are enough, it's calming. But looking in the face of the Christ, you are enough, it was like, you think about if I met somebody, you think about your partner or someone that falls in love with you, if they were to look at you romantically and say, you know what, you're enough. But really, was I'm supposed to feel good that I'm just enough? Like I just hit the bar? That's what that felt like when I imagined that the Christ was saying that to me. You were enough. Oh. And then I heard, plain as day, you are everything I dreamed of. You are everything I dreamed of. Now imagine for a moment 
that that's true. Just imagine for a moment that the creator of the universe, imagine that you believe that there's a creator of the universe. And that creator imagined you and is looking at you, his creation, and said, oh, you are everything I dreamed of. How would you go about your life? How would you hold yourself? That you are everything the God of the universe dreamed of. I believe it. Whether it's God or Christ and there's a God and a son and a Jesus and whatever. No matter what you call it. The life force that is in the universe. I refer to it as the universe. I am everything he ever dreamed of. That means I'm magnificent because the universe is amazing and powerful and full of life and magic and, and energy and you think about earthquakes and lightning and oceans and delicate flowers and babies being born. That is the life that's out there and that's what created me. That's what's in you. That's what's in me. That power and everything I ever dreamed of. That means... Think about making a cake and it comes out perfect. And you're like, this is everything I ever dreamed of making. It's delight. You'd be delighted. You'd be so proud. You'd want to show everyone. You'd want to, you, you wouldn't want to hurt it. You'd want to protect it. You'd want it to show the world. Look at what I made. That's me. That's you. I believe that. With everything in my being, I heard it so loud and clear and it just... I wrote it on my watch. <laughs> you are everything I dreamed of. I aim to live the rest of my life with that thought. I'm not just enough. I'm everything that God ever dreamed of. Therefore, I can love. I can give. I can serve. I can build. It, it enables me to do, to go. Whatever, whatever comes my way I can handle whatever hardship lands in front of me I can I can endure because I'm everything that God ever dreamed of it doesn't mean crap there's no crap out there oh my god I just looked outside there's the largest rainbow I have ever seen in my entire life a double rainbow I feel like that's a sign so I invite you to take the message that I got and put it inside of your heart that you are everything that God ever dreamed of. You, you're everything you dreamed of. Such delight in you. Put that right in your heart and live from that. And I don't think you can go wrong. Ever. I don't think you can go wrong. <sighs> so that was the helicopter ride around the Christ. And then we saw other stuff. We saw a soccer stadium. Um, we saw, I don't know, we saw other stuff. It was all fine. But after that, it was like, there's, I don't even know. I, I don't even, there was nothing that I was going to see that was going to hit me um, in the same way. Um, and so, but we continued, obviously. We didn't just go home. <laughs> so enjoyed um, strolling on the beach. The Copacabana Beach is amazing. Um, the food there 
absolutely amazing. Lots of pakanya, which is um, beef that is, um, they leave like this like strip of fat on it and then they bring it to your table on like a hot grill pretty rare and if you want to cook it more you can flip it down and cook it more and put it on your plate they serve it with toasted tapioca flour with um like pork cracklings and egg and then rice and sometimes french fries and then they give you a side of oranges with that um and then fashuada i think is how you say it which is like this black bean stew that's got all kinds of different meats in it and it's cooked basically all day and so sometimes they just run out you can't always get it i didn't really like that it was really salty i'm not a big bean person um but that was you know it was fun to try that my favorite thing is they make crepes out of tapioca flour amazing super light gluten-free then they put this creamy cheese in there i don't know where the cheese comes from but the cheese is like liquid gold cheese it's i mean it's the most incredible magnificent creamy soft cheese that one could ever experience i have to take a picture of this rainbow so what you do when you run your own podcast and you youtube it you just stop i don't edit stuff because i don't have time for that so so i'm not editing that out anyway um so i was eating all the things and we were doing a lot of walking doing no lifting no strength training i just thought you know what i need to rest and the beautiful thing about the vibe in our group is everybody was super cool. And so I wanted to sleep. I never sleep in. I'm on a beach running a boot camp <laughs> most days um, at sunrise. There's not many days that I don't get up before, um, before the sun. Um, most of the time when I'm in a normal groove, I'm up at between 4 and 5 a.m. And I don't sleep in. I don't have the luxury of it. And I don't necessarily want to. Um, but... My average sleep, when I look at my Fitbit and look at my weekly sleep average, has been um, f- under five hours, so four and a half hours a night. Um, I was working on getting it up to like more like five. It was up to five and a quarter, so I just don't get enough sleep. And I've spent the year lifting weights heavily, competing, running boot camps, doing a lot of cardio, restricting my diet, not getting enough sleep. Um, I got my my nutrition or my blood levels tested. I'm severely anemic, super low iron, all of these things. So I needed to eat and I needed to sleep. And so I would sleep in and the girls would just get up and leave and go get breakfast and coffee and they let me sleep. And then when I'd wake up, I'd join them and I just got to sleep. The one night I slept 10 hours. Uh, It was amazing. It was amazing. So, but it started to mess with me a little bit in my brain I had a hard time letting myself eat, letting myself rest and taking that kind of recovery because I take, I've taken so much time to build a better body, to get lean, to add muscle. And then it just felt like, you know, am I undoing all of these things on this trip? Well, I really had to use my mantras that I wrote before I left to remind me of why I was doing it, that my body is a machine and Every single machine needs a pit stop and needs a refuel and needs to be refreshed. And I can't expect my body to continue to show up for me if I don't show up for it. I show up for it by making it do hard things so it has to be strong, but I don't show up for it to put it to bed and to let it rest. And I am doing myself a disservice. And so, and with food, you know. I need to be eating a variety of things. I don't need to eat junk food and garbage all of the time. I certainly didn't need to eat all those brigadeiros. Um, brigadeiros are these little chocolate balls that are like amazing. But 
I certainly didn't need to eat those, but my brain needed that break to say, you know what? I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. You know what? I'm at a restaurant in Brazil. I'm going to eat what's in front of me. I'm at the street market. They had fruit that I've never seen before or tasted. I bought the fruit. I ate the fruit that I've never had before. The lychee, lychee, lychee fruit. I don't remember how you say it. Well, everything, everything in Portuguese, they just take the Spanish word and make it prettier. So like besos would be kisses in Spanish. So they say beju. I mean, how I would rather have a beju than a besos or a kiss. We'll get to that later. Anyway, um, beautiful fruit um, and vegetables. And I ate and my clothes started to get a little snugger. But what was interesting I found is on the days that I had big meals, I would then wake up in the next morning, look in the mirror and be shocked that I wasn't 400 pounds. It's been so long that I've let my, since I've let myself just eat whatever. But I remember this, like on days where I eat like a normal, well, not a normal, when I overeat, I eat more than I need to. Yeah, I'm going to gain a little mass. I'm going to get a little puffy. But in my head, I've gained all my weight back. And when I go in the bathroom in the morning and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, you still have muscle. It's like my, that's why I always say food is heavier in the brain than it is on the body, on my body. Food is heavier to my brain and my emotions than it is to my body. And so it was a good lesson to say, you know what? I ate the things. Um, I'm here for a few days. This is not going to ruin my life. This is not going to ruin my body. I put beautiful, clean, healthy, awesome, delicious foods into it. And I slept. And so I'm so grateful that I got to do that. But it, it was harder to rest and harder to deal than it would have been if I had gotten up, found a gym, and left it every day. It took more discipline for me to let myself sleep and rest than it would have to not. Because I've the pendulum, I've gotten to the point where I must work out. And that's not healthy. Healthy is right in the middle, some harmony between working really hard and resting. Working really hard and resting. And I'm just stuck with the work really hard. <laughs> And so it was really good for me to just stop. And so I did. It was great. It was awesome. Um, we also went to a samba school. So there's carnival in, in Brazil. And so that's just like this four-day, I think, festival of dancing in the streets with costumes. And there's like these different schools, so different troops, essentially, that put on their show. And once a week, you can go and watch them perform. And they have it's like a dance. And... So Gustavo took us to the Samba School and we got to watch the performance. I think it was on Saturday night. And it was just huge, packed, packed room, all kinds of like street food. And then um, dancers, I've never seen anybody move their feet so fast. These salsa dancers, holy buckets. And then these like huge like lines of drummers. It was just loud and cool and awesome. And while I had fun, it, because I'm a Scandinavian American from Minnesota, this is all like totally not what I'm used to. It's not my culture. I was not exposed. I know what salsa music sounds like, but it's not part, it's not in my blood. And so it was like cool to be there for a little while. And then it just all started to sound the same to me and it was just noise. Um, but it was fine. I stayed open, sat there, ate the food. It was great. Um, 
Jackie and Oria, they are both, you know, Jackie's from Brazil. This is totally in her blood. Oria is from Nicaragua. This type of music is in her blood. It resonates. And it just was foreign to me. It was, it was fun. It was awesome. But I was done oh, like in like half an hour. <laughs> like I was like, Ugh, how long are we going to be here? Anyway, we were there a really long time. We were there like four hours. But it was enjoyable. But then when they asked me, did you have fun? I had a hard time. I didn't want to offend because I did have fun. But I was trying to explain to them like how it was without being offensive. And so I just drew the analogy. I'm like, now have you, have either of you been to India or Asia? Neither one of them had been. It's like, now imagine if you went to a four hour music and dance show in India or China. Like it would be interesting and you would say, wow, this is beautiful. And I, you would, but to be there for four hours, I would, you know, can you imagine that it might just, you might not understand the difference between song A and song B and whatever. And they were like, oh, so I'm like, that's how it was for me. Um, not bad, but, um, but I was just so grateful to be on this trip with these women that like they're reasonable people. They wanted everyone to have fun. We all did have fun. I mean, I could have sat there and pouted and be a ter- like a total party pooper, which I was not. Um, but it was cool that we could have those conversations as to how these things were hitting the Viking <laughs> versus the Brazilian and the Nicaraguan. Anyway, it was cool. So, um, so it was good. But you know what? I didn't have, other than the, the experience with the Christ, I really, I didn't have opportunity to see, like, this is why I'm here. Like, I thought I would. Like, in Ukraine, I had an experience where I'm like, this is why I was here. Um, and I travel with books to hand out. I always bring books with me on a trip because I always run into somebody I feel like I need to give them to. So, like, um, on a recent trip, the Uber driver we were having a conversation. I'm like, and this book is for you. And I always give out The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. And um, I usually give out one of Don Miguel Ruiz's books, usually like The Four Agreements or Mastery of Self or um, one of those. And so I had Mastery of Love and the Neville Goddard Power of Awareness book with me. And I hadn't met anybody to give it to, which I thought was weird because usually I'm, you know, I run, I should bring 10 of them with me. But when I was coming home, the most amazing experience on the airplane. So I was sitting in the airport looking through my backpack and I saw the books. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't give these away. Here they sit. What a bummer. And I heard in my head like, well, the trip isn't over yet. You're not home. You're still sitting in the Rio de Janeiro airport. And so um, I got on the plane and I had changed my seat to an exit row seat because on the flight into Rio, I was not in an exit row and I have long legs and I currently have an Achilles issue that is excruciating and sitting without being able to move my legs it makes it worse and so I was in agony on the flight there and I was like I am going to get an exit row so I have leg room so I just changed my flight I think the day before or my seat to the exit row so I was the last on the plane which I really like to do why why do people get on the plane so early like they say okay we're ready to board everyone gets in line like what are you doing why do you want to get on the tiny plane and sit your butt in the tiny seat any sooner than you have to? I have no idea. No one has ever given me a good explanation for this. Whatever. I wait until they basically are like, uh, Kristen Smith, is you here? I wait. 
to the very last minute. So I did. So I got I'm last person on the plane, walk right up there. There's a guy, it's me on the aisle, and then there's a guy in the middle and a guy on the window. So I sit down, I put my neck roll on with my hoodie. It was so nice and cozy. And um, it was one in the morning. So I was excited to just sleep well. The two gentlemen started talking and um, I couldn't help but overhear. And um, Leo at the window seat, 22, leaving Brazil, going back to Toronto to finish his degree in film. Um, the guy in the middle, uh, his name is Mark. I don't know how old, old he was. He was going back to Salt Lake City. He'd been in Rio. They start talking guy stuff. You know, what'd you do? Where'd you go? Blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into uh, Leo talking about, you know, I was raised really strict. I was raised in religion. And now, like, I feel like I have a calling in my life, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to find out. I don't know how to imagine what I'm supposed to do. And I'm sitting here like, because I have this book in my bag that talks about the power of awareness and imagining what you want and then manifesting it in your life and taking religious dogma and turning it into power in your own life. And this is in my bag and it's ready to be given away. And I'm like, this guy right here. So I was dying because I don't want to interrupt. But their conversation just continues to go. And then the boy talks about how he wants to have a better relationship with his family and he wants to heal some of that. And like he loves them so much. And I'm like, I have this book called The Mastery of Love that talks about changing the story between your family and you and your head. I'm just dying. This boy is the person that the universe put there to get these books. And I didn't know how to interrupt. Well, luckily, Mark got up to go to the bathroom. And I was like, hi. Hi, young man. I couldn't help but over here, but I have presents for you. And I pulled the books out and he's like, oh my gosh, I saw you with those books sitting out and I was dying because I didn't want to interrupt Mark to say, hey, what are your books? And I didn't know. And I was wondering what they were and I saw power of awareness. I'm like, Leo, there are no coincidences in this, in this life. I changed the seat like yesterday. Mark came back. He sat down. He's like, oh my gosh, I love those books. Have you read The Four Agreements? Have you done The Course in Miracles? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, this couldn't have been the most perfect combination of three people ever. Mark was flying standby and he didn't know if he was going to get on the plane at all. And he got there. And then Leo had just changed his seat like an hour before the flight. So coincidences do not happen. The three of us ended up in the same row and we had five hours of talk, 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 talk. And the coolest thing is when I meet people that I feel like I have something in my life that I could share that might be of an encouragement, um, I do. But this boy had so many things that he was talking about that I wouldn't have been able to speak to the way that Mark, who is sitting next to him, did and could. They're guys. Mark was older. Uh, that Leo wouldn't have opened up to me either the way. And so to sit there and listen to that exchange was so beautiful, powerful. And then to feel like I then also had something to contribute in the way of the books for Leo and then the conversation with Mark. It was so amazing. I'm like, this is why I believe this is why I went on that trip. It was for the return flight because that kid, Leo, he's 22. That kid is going to do and be and soar. He is asking such important questions at 22 and he is open and he is talented and brilliant and smart and that boy's life is going to change the world. I believe it so strongly and I got to sit there and I got to hand him books. 
And I was just, it was just such a beautiful reminder that things often happen at the last minute to trust the process and the universe makes no mistakes. Um, it was amazing. So that just kind of wrapped up the trip for me. And um, on the flight home, my rule was I was going to eat anything that I wanted to eat. And then wheels down, it's back to my normal eating, my normal healthy lean meats, my vegetables, um, back to normal healthy eating, um, and back to my normal routine, refreshed. And so I got home, and the next day I weighed myself, I gained two pounds. So for a week, I ate whatever I wanted. I slept, and I didn't lift weights, and I gained two pounds. Now, some of that was probably also water weight. But it's like, you know what, if I had gone and stayed vigilant and worked out and lifted and just made my trip this diligent, disciplined experience, maybe I could have kept my weight exactly the same. Who friggin' cares? I'm a speck on a speck in a big universe. And I enjoyed myself and I rested and I recovered. And the first time that I picked up a weight since I got back, it felt like butter in my hands. My strength has come back in such a powerful way. My body feels strong. I feel rested. I got so much sleep. I tell people all the time how important it is to rest and recover. And I don't do it. I don't do it. And I did it. And so it was a huge lesson to me. You know what? My machinery is going to break down if I don't rest. And resting and sleeping and giving myself a break is absolutely non-negotiable in my life. Now, maybe I don't need to go to Brazil for a week all the time. But to take that time to just let my body exhale is something I have to prioritize. How can I say I'm into health and fitness? I'm going to help people and I'm going to show you how to have a better, healthier life when I do not give my beautiful, perfect machine of a body time to just chill, time to recover and repair, a pit stop. So big lesson for me, that noise in my head over the food, absolutely unnecessary. So glad I didn't let it dominate my brain conversation. And I was able to most of the time enjoy those foods, enjoy them knowing that I wasn't going to eat like that forever and that this is a special opportunity to eat things. I didn't binge. I didn't stuff myself to where I couldn't breathe on chocolate and junk food. It was eating good, healthy food. It was an amazing experience. And then sleeping. And so back to the regular routine, but um, refreshed. My first workout on the beach with the boot campers, just I felt like a new person. A refreshed, rebooted, clear loved person and it was so awesome to just come home and say I'm so grateful for what I have I don't have to go anywhere in order to be grateful but I tell you you know you have a good life when you come home from vacation and you're so so excited and happy to be home and that's how it is here so that's basically all I have for you from my Brazil trip um I did decide that my one goal was to get a kiss from a hot Brazilian man because I'm in Brazil and they say all the men there are hot, which they don't lie. Um, but a few problems. A language barrier. B, I didn't go anywhere where there were just people kissing. See, nobody seemed to understand just by looking at me that that's what I wanted. So no one even came near me. And D, um, 
I have a hard time making eye contact with people that are really attractive. If someone's really attractive, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. Get away from me. So, um, well, we told Gustavo, the driver, about this. And he had said, just pick a man, point him out. I'll bring him over here. I'm sure he'll kiss you. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> no, that's not happening. But it was kind of a funny joke. And then when I went to the airport, Gustavo's the one who drove me. And um, he was dropping me off. And I said, all right, Gustavo, I did not get the beju, so it's you, buddy. <laughs> so Gustavo gave me the Brazilian kiss, although actually it was more like the, the tall Viking chick from Minnesota kissed the Brazilian cab driver. It was consensual. He was not mad. I think he might have liked it. I don't know. It was very fun. So check that off. I got kissed by a Brazilian or I kissed a Brazilian. It's really honestly what happened. But, you know, girls got to do what a girl's got to do. So um, it's a great time. I'm not going anywhere out of the country again for a while. I don't know if I ever will again um, just because of all the travel rules and things that are going on. But um, it was awesome. I left the country twice this year. I never knew at the last year at New Year's did not think, Hey, I'm going to go out of the country twice. I know for some people that's nothing, but for this little homeschool girl raised in a bubble who only went to Brainerd, Minnesota on vacation, it was pretty, pretty rad. That's all I have for you today in this episode. I'm so happy you listened. And if you got any value out of this episode, I'd really love it if you took a second and just send a link directly to a couple people in your life. It's one thing to say, hey, I love this podcast and tell your friends. But when you send them a link directly, if they're anything like me, they're a lot more likely to listen or to follow your advice. So take a second, just go ahead and copy the link and send it to a couple people. I would really appreciate it. Once people listen to this podcast and I find a following, it makes it really easy for me to reach more people. And that is my goal here with this podcast. Also, if you listen on iTunes, you can leave a review, which also really helps. And um, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Spotify and also here on Anchor. Thanks so much for listening. You can reach out directly to me too. You can find me on Instagram, the Kristen Experience. And you can also email me, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com.